Turn to Mark 11, please. Mark 11. We've been on a subject for some weeks now called faith in God. Faith in God. Are you interested in any more about this, about faith in God? Good. Mark 11, great 11th chapter that we're familiar with, about verse 23 and 24, about faith, speaking to the mountain, believing that you receive, and a lot of us have heard things about faith, and we're faith people. If people try to say it over us as a derogatory term, we just smile and say thank you. We are faith people, and we want to hear about faith, and we believe in living by faith and walking by faith, overcoming by faith. But there has been some confusion about faith. And uh, we're zeroing in on this one phrase that Jesus said in verse 22. Jesus answered and said unto them, Have faith in God. Faith in God. And so that's the title of our series and that's our emphasis. I think it's necessary to qualify among so-called faith people. Our faith is not just in principles. Our faith is not just in our faith. Did you hear me? Our faith is in God. In Him. Go to 2 Timothy. We've looked at this. It'll bear repetition. 2 Timothy, the first chapter. Somebody said out loud, I have faith, I have faith in, God. in God. Thank you, Lord. That's not the same as you having faith in yourself. It's not the same as having faith in your faith. Second Timothy, the first chapter, and verse 12 For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. Not just what I believe. See, people talk a lot about what they believe. And if they emphasize that above other things, that's a bad sign. We don't just believe in principles. We don't just believe in healing. We believe in the healer. We believe in him. We don't just believe in prosperity. Now why do I say that? Because there's some people, they put more emphasis on prosperity than they do Jesus. And it's not good. When you say, well, do y'all believe in that prosperity doctrine? Well, what does that mean? There's a lot of people preach a lot of stuff about prosperity. I don't agree with that at all. But I do believe God's a good God. And that He will prosper you. And bless you. Beyond your dreams. He's a God of abundance. He's a God of plenty. But my faith is not just in prosperity. My faith is in the God of abundance. In Him. He said, I know in whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded... Glory to God. That he 
He is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. I'm persuaded something about him. Not just what I believe, but who, capital W, who I believe in. Somebody say it again. I believe. I have faith in God. Glory to God. Does that stir you up at all? I think focusing on this and keeping this in the center will help get people away from some errors. You know, people are into principles. Nine steps and 12 steps and 15 steps and do this and do that and push this button and pull this lever and do that and do that and do the other. And they have faith in principles and formulas. You know, uh, the Bible said in the book of Acts that there were seven sons of Siva who heard about Paul casting out demons. And they decided they would try that. You remember reading about it in the book of Acts? And so they found this guy who was demon possessed. And I guess all seven of them went in there. And they said, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Now that sounds like a formula, don't it? How many think they thought about that before they went in there and said it? They, exactly how do you say this? Well, there might be, he might think we're talking about another Jesus, so let's make sure we say this, the one Paul is preaching about. How did he say it? And, and so uh, the Spirit spoke up through the man and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know. Who are you? And jumped on them and tore off their clothes and beat them all up. And the Bible said they all ran out of the house naked and wounded. That didn't work so good. And yet they knew the phrase in the name of Jesus. Did you get that? They knew that phrase. In the name of Jesus. But they got no results. No deliverance. Why? Their faith was in a formula. In the name of Jesus is not some magical incantation. Like hocus pocus or abracadabra or in the name of Jesus. It's not knowing the right words to say. It's knowing Him. Knowing Him whose name you're calling. He's real. Hallelujah. Somebody say it again. I have faith in God. In Him. And when you say I have faith in Him, it means you trust Him. Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. I know Him. He's not claiming he knows everything there is to know about God, but he's saying, I'm acquainted with him. I know something about him. Is it available to every man and woman on the planet to become acquainted with him and to know him personally and to know something about him and then have faith in him, trust him?
Go with me to Hebrews 11, that great faith chapter. And he gives us a definition of faith. And then he goes on to give us example after example after example after example of people who in real life situations had faith in God. And how many know that this faith has not changed in all these centuries? Faith will work today just like it worked for David when he was facing Goliath back then. Is that right? Faith has not changed. God has not changed. So he tells us what faith is in Hebrews 11.1. He defines it. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. And then he goes on to tell us. Example after example. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. By faith, Enoch was translated. Hallelujah. Reckon that could still happen today? I reckon so. Faith is still faith. God translated him. Before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And then it tells you how he pleased God. How did he please God? Do you know? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. With God, faith is not optional. It is required. And there's no such thing as a person that can't believe. Sometimes you'll hear people use that phrase and say, well, I I just can't believe that. That is an untrue statement by nature of what faith is. Why can't you believe it? Well, because I don't see it and I don't understand it. Do you have to see something to believe it? Isn't faith the evidence of things not seen? Well, I'm sorry, but I just can't believe that because... I don't understand it and you can't prove it. So you're saying you can't believe something unless somebody can prove it to you, you know, scientifically or unless they can explain it to your satisfaction. Well, of course not. That couldn't be true. By very nature of what faith is. Faith occurs when you don't see. When you don't understand. When you can't figure it out. When nobody can prove or disprove it. Faith is a choice. It is a choice to believe the one who said it. Simply a choice. And every time something comes up, everybody on the planet, about God I should say, everybody on the planet has that choice. Do you believe that God created the heavens and the earth? Some have chosen not to believe it. But it takes faith to believe what they believe. That all this just happened? I've said it before, but I mean, it's like taking a bunch of C4 in a salvage yard and setting it off. And when the dust clears, there's a new Mercedes sitting there. 
So there was a big bang, and when it was through, all this was here. Yeah, the perfect atmosphere, the perfect distance from the planet, the perfect. They have chosen to believe a lie. It is not proven. Evolution is a theory. Big bang is a theory. Theory. Somebody say theory. Theory. Now, Brother Hagen had a definition of theory. Which I'll repeat to you right now. He said a theory is a supposition based upon ignorance of the topic under discussion. <laughs> well, it has to be or it wouldn't be a theory. <laughs> theory means it's unproven. So it means you've just chosen to believe it. So when people say, I can't believe God created all this. A lot of times without even realizing it, they'll say, I believe it happened like this. Exactly. You believe. You weren't there. You can't prove or disprove. A lot of people have a lot of theories. But nobody was there that we can talk to on the earth. Explain it to us. Nobody can go out to the end of the way this thing is expanding and figure it out for us. So you're choosing to believe one thing, they're choosing to believe something else. Faith is a choice. And it's a choice to believe in the character of the person who said the words. That's why choosing not to believe in God is such a personal thing. He's never lied to anybody. Ever. He's never failed anybody. Ever. And for a man or woman that he created and gives them their every breath and sustained them every millisecond of their life and existence, for them to look up and say they don't believe in him or they don't believe he's good, it's a personal assault on his character. Can you see this? And if they really choose to do that, then they're not qualified to be in his family. Did you hear me? And it's sad, but they'll not be in his family. Aren't you glad you've chosen to believe? You believe in him? You believe he's good? As a teenager, I read the book of Job. Didn't understand it. For years thereafter, I kept trying to say, well, the big question in this book of Job is why did this happen? That's what Job's three friends wrestled with him about for all those 30-some chapters before they got towards the end there. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? And for years, I mean many years, I kept thinking, well, the big thing is, is why? And then one day reading it again, I saw God showed up and spoke to Job in person. You remember that? In a whirlwind and spoke to him and told him some amazing things. But you know what's conspicuous for its absence? He didn't explain to him why. The thing they had been railing about and debating about all those years, because it wasn't the issue. Job had questioned God's righteousness. And he had questioned God's goodness. And that was his major sin against God. He did repent. And glory to God was healed. And restored. 
Wound up with twice what he had. But I saw it in a flash. I saw, no, the big question in this book is not why this happened. And that's where so many people are camping. Why did this happen? Why didn't that happen? No, the whole book is about faith. The whole book is about faith in God. Isn't it? And the real question is not why did it happen. The real question is what do you do when you don't know why? Oh, are you listening? Will you still trust Him? Will you still believe in Him? When you don't know why. Or will you begin to accuse him. And feel hard at him. There are many many Christians. All over this world tonight. That are miffed and mad at God. About something they feel like he did. Or something he didn't do. And the failure is not with God. But they're failing big time. Because they are judging him unfaithful and he's not unfaithful never has been never will be how many believe God is perfect in righteousness he has never through the eons ever done one wrong thing never somebody say never how many believe God is faithful he's faithful He has never been unfaithful to anybody throughout the history of mankind. Never. Never. Come on, do you trust Him? Do you have faith in Him? I'm expanding on this thought, I have faith in God. What does it mean, I have faith in God? It means I believe in His goodness. I believe in His character. I believe in His power. I believe in His faithfulness. I'm not talking about principles. I'm talking about a person I know. And I trust Him. Somebody tries to tell me God's been mean, God's been cruel, God's done this, God's done that. You're talking to the wrong person. I will not even hear you. You're slandering my Father. And the Bible said, yeah, let God be true and every man a liar. And if you're saying he's like that, you're the liar. He is not unfaithful. God has never been cruel. Never. Do you believe it? He's never been cruel. God has never been mean. Never. Am I talking about believing in Him? I don't just mean believe that He exists. You must believe that He exists, but you've got to go beyond that and believe He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. He's a good God. Let me tell you what will get you through the roughest places in this life. We don't know everything. We're never going to know everything. And there will be things that happen you won't know why. And there'll be things you don't understand. And there'll be times it'll tug your heart. And there'll be times that you'll shed tears. And the devil will come in those times. And he'll tempt you. And he'll try to plant some kind of thought or suggestion. Where's your God now? Why didn't it happen the way you wanted it to? Why did he let this happen? Why didn't he do this? 
Friend, don't you listen to that for two seconds. Did you hear me? The devil is certainly not your friend. He's a known liar. Isn't he? I don't care if it's hard. If you have to get up off your knees and say it through your tears. You say, Father, I don't know why this happened. I don't know why this didn't happen the way we wanted it to. But I know this. You're a good God. Oh, come on. Are you with me? I know this. You've never let me down. And I don't know what happened here, but I know this. You did not fail me. I know it. And if I let you down some way, Lord, show me. But I trust you. You're faithful. And I'll believe it with my last breath. That will get you through anything. It can't get too bad. Because a man or woman will stand up like that and confess real faith in the person and character and goodness of God. You think God won't help them? You think God will not grace them and sustain them? He will never leave you. He will never fail you. You stand up and say how you trust Him. You will come through. Hallelujah. And in time to come, you'll understand why it didn't happen or why it happened that way. And when you see it, you'll go, oh, God, you were more gracious than I would have asked you to be. I, I'm sorry that I even had to deal with that like that. I, I just didn't see. I didn't know. But how many believe when all this is said and done, like Romans says, it'll be shown and proven that God was righteous. And everybody that ever accused him of anything else will be shown to be liars. And God will be true. And he'll be justified. And those that know him and love him and believe in him, they'll believe it right now. No matter what they see. Somebody say, that's me. I have faith in God. I believe in him. Nobody can make me doubt him. Nothing can make me doubt him. I will never doubt his goodness. I will never doubt his faithfulness. I will not doubt him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now what we're talking about right now is important. This is major importance. Other stuff can come and go. But this, this is every day and night. So Noah did what he did by faith. Abraham did what he did by faith. Sarah received strength, verse 11. She judged him faithful who had promised. Is that what you do? You judge him faithful. We talked in our last session about Isaac and Jacob and Joseph in verse 20 and 21 and 22. By faith, they blessed their descendants. Now, an important note that we didn't dwell on very long. But tell me how they did that. I think so many times people don't understand. They think, well, the Spirit of God came on them. And there was all this anointing on them that just kind of prophesied out of them. No, it said they did it how? They did it by faith. Did you get that? What caused them? We talked about it earlier. Israel. 
to speak over his children and speak blessings over them into their distant future generations, you might think, well, man, he was caught up in the Spirit. No, you'd be assuming something. What did the Bible say he did it? How? By faith. This is interesting, isn't it? He did it by faith. Oh, oh, friend. Our leaders, our parents, our elders, if we'll have enough respect for these things, have a place in our life that by their faith they can speak things over us that can affect blessing in our life and even beyond our generation. How many think we have a lot to learn about this? Oh, my. Said they did it by faith. By faith. Now keep reading. We talked about Moses. We talked about his parents overcoming their fear with faith. Verse 29 says, By faith they passed through the Red Sea. We talked about trying stuff is not faith. Verse 30, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down. Verse 31, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. And that's what I want to talk to you about right now. I want to talk to you about the faith of Rahab the harlot. The Bible said Rahab, and you know, it could have left off the fact that she used to be a harlot. But it's included I want you to notice something real significant here. We have a prostitute in Hebrews 11 along with Moses and Abraham, David, Gideon. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And right in the middle of this, we got Rahab. Who? Who was Rahab? Oh, Rahab. Was Rahab a prophetess? Was Rahab, who was Rahab? Was Rahab a a great prayer? Who was Rahab? No, Rahab was not a prophetess, not a prayer. Prostitute. You know, the Bible tells it like it is. It's truth. Oh, there's some great things to see in this, though. Read it with me. By faith, The harlot Rahab perished not. I want to talk to you tonight about making it through when others don't. What do you mean perish not with them that believe not? Everybody in her whole town, everybody she knew her whole life, except for her and her immediate family, died the day that those walls fell down flat and God gave that city into his people's hands. Her and her family alone lived. And we're told right here why. Why she and her parents and her sisters and her immediate family were the only ones that lived through that day. Come on, tell me why. Why? Because Rahab, Rahab, The harlot had faith. 
Mm-mm. Did she have faith? And she did not perish with everybody else. All of them did not believe, but she did believe. And because she believed, she received. The spies, the ones God sent. And that was the act of her faith. Faith without works or action is dead. Wouldn't have been enough for her to say she believed in God. How do we know she had faith in God? Because she received what God sent her way. In the persons of these people that were spying out the land. Now go back to Joshua. We studied about the faith of Rahab. Joshua, the second chapter. Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly. He said, go view the land, even Jericho. And they went. And they came to a harlot's house. They decided that would be a good place to stop. I'm not going to try to explain that. I don't know why they thought that would be a good place. I guess they thought they might not stand out. They're just wayward visitors coming through town. Their big deal is not wanting to get caught. And the harlot's house, her name was Rahab. And they stayed there. But word got out that they were there. It was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in here tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. The king of Jericho sent to Rahab and said, Bring forth the men that are come to you which are entered into your house. For they come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them. Is this dangerous for her? What do you think the king would have done with her? If he found out she's hiding these spies. Most likely she would have been executed. And could have very well been her family too. A lot of times, especially in those days... That was done to make a point. He wiped out everything that pertained to you. So this was extremely dangerous for her to do. Does this show faith? For her to take this kind of risk? It does. She took them and she hid them. And she said to the uh, king's men. She said, well there came men to me. But I didn't know where they were from. That's a lie. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of gate, when it was dark, the men went out. That's another lie. Where the men went, I don't know. That's another lie. Pursue after them quickly, and you'll probably catch them. You'll overtake them. That's another lie. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with stalks of flax, which she laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords, and as soon as they which pursued them were gone out, they shut the gate. Someone said, so is it okay to lie sometimes? Well, is it okay to be a prostitute sometimes? (laughs) The Bible is not 
condoning sin by telling us about Rahab the harlot. And you can see so many times people, they're so badly wanting to condone their own sin, they try to take things like this in the scripture and twist them. Well, Rahab lied, yeah, and it's just as wrong as can be. She also was practicing her profession that day. I mean, how did the guys get to come in and stop by? The place was open. Now, the Bible said she had faith. Rahab. You know, you find faith in some interesting places. There are times you'll find faith in people and in situations you would not think. The Bible tells us not to judge. Judge not. More than one place, you and I are told, do not judge. What does that mean? What does that mean, don't judge? It particularly means to judge, to find guilty, to condemn. And you can hear it in the tone of people's voice. Oh, that sorry harlot. They're a scourge on the city. Well, prostitution is not good. No way you can make it good. But we don't know how Rahab became a harlot. Particularly in those days. Of course, this is not the people of God. This is a heathen city. And uh, a common practice in those days was that armies would go out and conquer a uh, town or a camp or a tribe and uh, a lot of the men would be killed well the women and children would be taken and become slaves and a lot of those slaves were forced into prostitution they had no choice in the matter so we don't know how Rahab came into this lifestyle but whether it's Rahab those many years ago, or it's somebody you're looking at today, don't judge. Because you don't know. Somebody say you don't know. You may think you know, but I assure you, you don't know. You don't know how they got there. You don't know what their heart is. For all we know, Rahab could have despised this every day and night of her life. We don't know. She could have had no choice. Who knows the hundreds of thousands and millions of women over the years that it wasn't their choice. They were forced. It's a common thing, especially back then. But I'm just saying God sees the heart. And there was something in this woman in the middle of this house of ill repute. What goes on at such a place? Well, it wouldn't be good stuff. Drinking and doing drugs and bad language. And I mean, the people that are there are not trying to be holy. And in this atmosphere, in this environment of sin of oppression, maybe desperation in some of these women's hearts and minds and lives, in the middle of this, Rahab, 
has faith in God. Glory to God. This was a great story. So yeah, she lied. It's wrong. She did some other things that's wrong too. But we don't know what kind of light she had. She didn't grow up in a Christian home. Hmm? And so you may see people and it is so glaringly obvious that their life has so much bad stuff in it. But you don't see their heart. You don't know what they see and what they don't see. You don't know what they know and what they don't know. God alone knows that. And so he's the only one qualified to judge. But you know it's the will of God for her to be delivered from this and to quit lying. And I believe it happened. I said, I believe it happened. I believe we have scripture to reveal that it did. But keep reading. Before they were laid down, she came up to them upon the roof. And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. She what? How'd she know? She believed it. That the Lord has given you the land and your terror is fallen upon us. And that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Now, did God's people know that? No. The first generation of Israelites have already all died out in the wilderness. Because they said, we're in their eyes just like grasshoppers. Was it true? No. When they got in there, and the first city they came to, and the first spies that talked to one of the citizens there, she lets them know everybody around there is scared spitless of them. What a different perspective. So what Caleb and Joshua said was true. Wasn't it? They said, no. You know, when the spies begin to bring up an evil report on the land, and they said, we can't do it. We can't do it. Cities are walled. They got iron chariots. They're giants. There's no way. They look at us and just look at us like little insects. Caleb and Joshua got up and calmed the people. They said, no, no, listen. God is with us. And their defense is gone from them. They're bred for us. What does that mean? We might say, piece of cake. Easy pickings. Was that true? It was true. The fear of God had fallen on all of those people. And they were trimmed. They were just waiting for them to come and whoop them. They expected it. They expected to be booted out just any day. But see, all that first generation didn't believe that. They believed they were the meanest, baddest, roughest people on the planet. And ever they looked at them like little insignificant insects. And they're just going to squash them. And so they all died out in the desert. And the first ones that were able to go in, here's what they hear. She says, I know. The Lord's already given you our land. The terror of you has fallen on us. All the inhabitants of the land are fainting because of you. For we heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. That was when that first generation came out. All these years that they've been wandering around out there, dying in the wilderness, these guys have been shaking in their boots waiting for them to come. 
all those years, they could have gone up by faith at any time and taken these cities instead of sitting out there in a dry, barren desert. They could have been making fig preserves, (laughs) eating watermelon, come on, sitting under a palm tree with a new house. Oh, friend, what a lesson for us to learn. What a lesson for us to learn. Is it true that the blessing of God has already been bought? It's already been paid for. And God has already got everything set up for us to go in and to enjoy it. What's the problem? The problem is fear and believing lies. Believing lies can keep you out, can cause you to waste your whole life and never enjoy what God has for you. It did to them. Basically, she said, we've been waiting on you. Everybody's scared of you. And so you hear her faith talking. How does faith come? Comes by here. How did she get faith? She heard. Maybe by some customers. Passing through that had been through Egypt. About all the stuff Jehovah God had done. In the miracle after miracle after miracle. And she'd think about that. And she heard about how God split the Red Sea. And how God's people went across on dry ground. And when the enemy tried to follow them, it closed in on them. She decided, he's real. I don't know. They probably had thousands of idols in her city. People worshipped everything. But she decided... That's the real God. Bore witness in her heart. She said, He's real. Come on. He that comes to God must. Must believe that He is. She said, We heard about it. And then we heard what you did to the king of Amorites. We heard, boy, you put it on Sihon. And y'all put Og down hard. We knew we were next. And so we've been waiting on you. As soon as we heard it, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. Oh, you see why Rahab the harlot is in Hebrews 11. She said, he's the one. She said, I've never been to Sunday school. And I don't know about all this stuff you're talking about. But when I heard about him, I said, he, he's God. Amen. She's working at this place of prostitution every day and every week and every month. But she believes in the real God. She believes in him. Friend, don't judge by appearances. There's a lot of people. That have a rough exterior. And it's obvious their life is full of sin and foul language and bad habits and ungodly things they're saying and doing. And just to look at them, you'd think, well, man, you know, they are child of a devil. They're, they're off the deep end. And if you only knew, their heart is so hungry for God. And they are just that close 
to go in whole heart for God, if they could just see some reality of God and get a hold of Him and know what to believe. Did you hear me? Realize this is what's really going on inside of people. Now, they may not sound like it. They may not look like it. They might try to intimidate you and embarrass you and insult you and everything else. But be mature. Just act like you didn't even hear it. Tell them the truth about the Lord. Don't get hung up on all the stuff that's in their life. Rahab didn't. Now, we're getting to one of the best parts right now. Does Rahab believe in God? She just said, your God, he is God. He is God of heaven and earth. He's it. What did she just get through saying? All these gods they worship in my town? Uh Uh-uh. You're God. He's God. And why did she receive them in? How did she overcome her fears of being turned into the king and being executed? Not only did she believe that God was real. Oh, come on. She believed that this God would hear even a prostitute's request. A heathen prostitute. Oh, come on now. She believed in the goodness of God enough to believe that if she would receive his people and take care of them and ask for this favor, he would do it for her. Many, many would never have believed this. What if she would tried to talk to some of her friends about this? Said, I'm going to believe God and I'm going to ask him to spare me and my family when everybody else gets taken out. You? You? Oh, are you listening? Everything was around her and in her life to tell her she could not be spared. If anybody was going to be spared, it wouldn't be her. How low is she on the pecking order in town? How many other people in this city of Jericho are more important than her in town? How many have lived cleaner lives than her? And the devil is able, through condemnation, to rob people of their faith by the millions. Because they'll get a glimpse of the reality of God and the goodness of God. And they'll say, I believe, I believe, I believe. And then the devil will say, yeah, but you, you. I mean, if somebody was holy, if somebody lived a right life, if somebody, you know, but you. And they'll say, yeah, you're right. Why would I think that it happened for me? She believes everybody in this city is about to die. Doesn't she? It's a big city. It's a huge population. People from all walks of life, rich people, leaders. And she has the audacity to think that her 
the town harlot. And her family can be spared alone out of the whole city. Could she have found some reasons to believe why she wouldn't qualify? Why she wouldn't have been one of the ones to make it? Friend, this is what the psalmist David was talking about when he said, A thousand may fall at my side, and ten thousand may fall at my right, at the other hand, but it'll not come near me. Can you see the boldness of faith? That faith would dare to believe that God would do this for me. Yeah, but you're of this and you're of that. I know it, but he's good. Yeah, but you've come so short and you failed and you don't know. I know it. Shut up. He's good. If I was counting on me and what I've done, I wouldn't have brought it up to begin with. But I believe he would do it because he's so good. And she just dared to believe him. She had it in her mind when they showed up and she found out who they were. She has a choice. I know a lot of people in her situation... It's all about making money. Could she have possibly made some money by turning these guys in? A lot of people in her situation, aren't they always wanting favors with the leadership? To maybe operate outside the law and do this or that that you might want to do? Man, this would be a card. Wouldn't it? I'll do you a favor, you do me a favor. So many would have been tempted to turn these guys in. It would seem so much safer. It would be so much more profitable. But not her. She saw them. She said, these are those, some of those Israelites. I heard about what their God did. I've been thinking about him ever since I heard it. And she came and got them. And she hid them. She had the perfect place. She protected them. She told them what to do. And she said, before they got away, she said, verse 12, she said, I want to ask you something. Swear to me by the Lord, because I've showed you kindness, that you'll show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token, and that you'll save alive my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, all that they have. That's their stuff. And deliver our lives from death. Somebody say bold. bold. Say it again. Bold. Doesn't it seem a little brass to you? Now I want you to spare my life. And I want you to spare my sisters. And their husbands. And my brothers and their wives. And their kids. And their grandkids. And my mama. And my daddy. And their donkeys. And their sheep. And their cows. And their house. And their carts and their stuff, and I want them to be able to keep all their stuff. Tell me who's asking for this Rahab, the harlot, who tells lies and works at the house of prostitution. And how many people today? We'd say, oh, I'm not going to ask. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. 
You reckon she could have imagined that she wasn't worthy. But this stuff is robbing people of the blessings of God. No, you're not worthy in and of yourselves. And nobody can be. Forget about that. Quit talking about that. Do you believe God is good? Do you believe He'll do things for you in spite of your shortcomings? Oh, come on. In spite of your sin. In spite of your ignorance. In spite. But do you see, you got to dare to believe it. You gotta dare. Can you see the audacity of faith? Can you see you got to dare to believe it? She said, I'm gonna ask you this. Why would she ask that? Why? She not only believed their God was real, she believed He was a good God. That because she had done this for them, they would do the right thing. She not only believed that God is. She believed he's a rewarder of them that do right and believe in him and reach out to him. She knew she'd done everything wrong in her life. She knew her life was a mess and full of sin. But she had more faith in God's goodness than she did in her sin. And she believed he was so good. He would do it for her anyway. Anyway, somebody say anyway. anyway, anyway, will the devil give you a thousand and one reasons why you don't qualify? You don't know enough scripture. You don't have enough faith. You hadn't lived right. You hadn't obeyed enough. You've made mistakes. You've done this. You hadn't done that. You don't qualify. You're not worthy. And if you accept it, you won't dare to believe. You'll accept stuff you shouldn't have in your life. And you'll say, well, I've come so short. I guess I'm reaping what I've sown. And I guess this is just my lot. What's Rahab the harlot's lot? (laughs) This lying conniving, loose woman of the night? What's her lot? How many believe what Brother Smith Wigglesworth said years ago? There's something about believing God that'll cause him to pass over a million people just to get to you. And he don't care if your name's Rahab or not. He's more concerned about what you want to do now than what you did yesterday. Oh, come on now. He's more concerned. Are you ready to come on board with Him now and live for Him than He is your life of sin and degradation in the past? He's not pleased with that. But that's past. What can you do about that? For all we know, this is the first opportunity this woman's ever had. To believe God and act on her faith. But brother she didn't miss it. And I don't know how many houses of ill repute there were in Jericho. But these guys sure went to the right one. Because Rahab had faith in God. 
Oh, glory to God. Verse 14, the men said, our life for yours. If you don't tell our business, it'll be when the Lord has given us land. Not if, when we get it. We'll deal kindly and truly with you. She let them down by a cord through the window. Her house was on the town wall. That's the wall that fell down, you remember? That she dwelt upon the wall. She said to them, you need to get to the mountains unless you meet those guys that went out to look for you and hide yourselves there for three days. Let this search cool off. And uh, then, you, after that, you can go your way. And the men said to her, we'll be blameless of your oath, which you made us swear. When we come to the land, you need to tie this line of scarlet, which is a red rope. Tie it in the window, which you did let us down by, and bring your father and your mother and your brethren and all your father's household home to you. And it'll be that whatsoever goes out the doors of the house in the street, his blood will be on his head, and we'll be guiltless. But whosoever's with you in the house... His blood is on our head, if any hand be on him. Glory to God. Verse 21, she said, according to your words, so be it. That's almost identical, the same phrase Mary said to the angel. I said, surely you're not comparing the two. Faith is faith. Certainly God respected faith of Mary when she said, Be it under your hand made according to your word. But did he not respect Rahab the harlot when she said the same thing? He did. He did. It's not because he likes sin. It's because he's so good. And he'll meet anybody that'll believe him. Glory to God. She said, According to your word, so be it. She sent him away. They departed. She went ahead and tied the rope in the window right then. <laughs> Smart girl. She didn't know how quick they're going to be back. Skip on over to the sixth chapter of Joshua. Chapter six. Joshua gave them instructions to march around that wall day after day and don't make a sound. And he said, when I tell you to yell, you yell. And so on the last day, they shouted. Oh, glory to God. And the walls, the Bible said, fell down flat. And they all went up. And they took the city. And verse 17, Joshua, the head man, God's man, he told them. Verse 16, he said, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And the city shall be accursed, it and all that's therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all that are with her in the house. What if she hadn't asked? What if she'd been too ashamed of her and her profession and her past and she wouldn't ask? That all died that day. She and all that are with her in the house because she hid the messengers that we sent. So verse 20, the people shouted. The priests blew the trumpets. It came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and they shouted, the wall fell down flat. Glory. Reckon that scared the people even worse. 
Are you kidding? Half of them probably fainted and fell out. Nobody ever heard of anything like this happening before. They destroyed all that were in the city. Man, woman, young, old, ox, sheep, ass, everything. I mean, there wasn't a dog and a cat made it out alive that day. Except Rahab's cat. And her daddy's beagle. He made it. And her brother's hound dog. He made it too. Joshua said to the two men that had spied out the country. This is in the middle of people dying everywhere. I mean running and screaming and fighting and death. He told them, Joshua, the head man, in the middle of this. He said, you go to the harlot's house. And bring out that woman and all and what? And what? And all that she has, just like you swore to her. And the young men that were spies went out and they brought Rahab and her father and her mother and her brothers and all that she had. And they brought out all her kinfolks. And they left them without the camp of Israel. They got them out of the city and took them to the Israeli camp. Rahab the harlot we're talking about. Mm. Does this do anything for you? (laughs) Glory to God. They burned the city. Verse 25. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's household. And all that she had. I reckon she had her jewelry. She had her clothes. All that she had. Friend, people are perishing in the world today. People are perishing financially. Businesses are folding. People are losing their jobs. People are losing their houses. People are losing their automobiles. People are losing their savings and their investments that they've saved and worked hard for 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 years for. People are perishing from diseases and swine flu and crime and murder and car wrecks and you name it. People are perishing. Why should you live if people all around you don't make it? Why should you get to keep all your stuff? If people all around you are losing everything they've got, what makes you any better than them? Rahab wasn't no better than them. She wasn't any better than them morally or physically or intellectually. Why did she live? When everybody around her died. She had faith in God. Not just faith that God exists. Not just faith that He's real. Not just faith that He's all powerful and He can do anything. She must have faith. That He's such a good God. That even though I've been what I've been and I've done what I've done. Because I'm reaching out to Him and showing Him that I believe Him. He'll hear my request. 
And though everybody around me dies, I don't claim that I deserve to live when all they die because I'm better than them. I just believe in God. How many know they could have believed in His goodness too? They could have joined her, couldn't they? They could have. But they didn't do it. This was a big city. There were a lot of brilliant people in that city. There were a lot of accomplished people. Business people. Educators. Homemakers, you name it, people everywhere, and they, they all died that day, and the one family you wouldn't have picked That's right. <laughs> to survive the day. You wouldn't have gone to the house of prostitution and pulled out Rahab out of all these thousands of families throughout this city. But God did. Because she's the only one. They had faith in him. Having faith in the Lord means having faith in his blood. In the blood that has cleansed us and washed us from all our sin and cleansed us from all unrighteousness, making us worthy to receive. Having faith in God means you believe He is so good and He's so kind and He's so gracious that even though you have failed so miserably and come up so short, you still believe. (laughs) You can ask for this thing and He'll do it. And because you just believe He'll, you just dare to believe He'll do it while other people are pretending to be humble and acting like, oh, I couldn't ask that. Oh, I don't think I'm any better than anybody else. Oh, I've failed. Well, yeah, they'll all perish and claim it was the will of God. But if you'll dare to believe, somebody say dare to believe. Say it again, dare to believe. Rahab dared to believe. Don't you know when everybody's dying all around about them and these soldiers came and got them and surrounded them and scurried them out of the city and took them to the Israeli camp and they're sitting there in the camp. Every one of their immediate family, every one of them sitting there with their stuff and they're hearing the screams of the city as everybody dies and perishes. Don't you know they're thanking God? Now I don't know what Rahab's family thought about her. There might have been some real unkind things said about her during Thanksgiving dinners. (laughs) Or Christmas time. But on this day, (laughs) as they're sitting there still shaking from the ordeal, ain't nobody has anything bad to say about Rahab. Oh my, get this now. Can one person who's sinned so much, who's failed so much, who's been a reproach to themselves and their family, can one person through one act of faith affect the whole family? Don't count out the black sheep. They're liable to jump up in the morning and believe God and put you to shame. 
Next thing you know, you may be hanging on their coattail. Barely making it through. Anybody can believe God at any time. And he's not doing things for people because they've crossed every T and dotted every I. And because they in and of themselves are so pure and holy and perfect. I mean, there ain't nobody qualifies in their own righteousness. But anybody that will dare to stand up and believe that he's real and he's powerful and he's good, he will move for them. I don't care if they grew up Muslim. I don't care if they grew up nothing. I don't care if they spent half their life in the house of prostitution. I don't care if they've smoked crack the last 20 years. Are you listening to me? Any man, any woman, anybody, anywhere, anytime. Look up and say, Lord, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. And I believe you're good. And I'm asking you, get me out of here. Get me out of here and save me. Oh, glory to God. He'll do it. He'll do it. Oh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Say it again. Glory to God. Go to Matthew 1. And let me show you something else in closing. Matthew. First chapter. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ. Who? The son of David. The son of Abraham. Abraham beget Isaac. Isaac beget Jacob. Now let's just stop right here. What are we reading about? We're reading about the scarlet line. The line or lineage of the Redeemer. Oh, hallelujah. How did Jesus get here? Well, he's the son of David. And he's the son of Abraham. How many know there's a lot of people in between Abraham and David? And David and Jesus. And he begins to break it down. He said, Abraham beget Isaac. Isaac beget Jacob. Jacob beget Judas and his brethren. Judas beget Phares and Zarah of Thamar. Phares beget Azram, Azram beget Aram, Aram beget Aminadab, Aminadab beget Naasson, Naasson beget Salmon, Salmon beget Boaz of Rahab. Who? Now it's spelled differently here in the New Testament. Of course it was written in Greek, but it's the exact same word. Rahab. Keep reading. Boaz beget Obed of Ruth. Obed beget Jesse. Jesse beget David. Wait a minute now. Is Rahab David's grandma? Why mention her? You notice a lot of the other guys' wives are not mentioned. Just the father's mentioned. Why mention her? Because everybody knew her. And they knew her story. 
Keep reading. Boaz beget Obed of Ruth. Obed beget Jesse. Jesse beget David the king. David the king beget Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. That's Bathsheba. If he's going to leave somebody out, why wouldn't you leave her out? All these other fine, noble women that are these guys' wives, and they're not mentioned in this lineage. Why bring them up? Because they are testimonies of the mercy of God. Not only did God save Rahab from dying that day, and saved her daddy and her mama and her brothers and her sisters and her dog and her cat. But we got through reading in Joshua, the Bible said, and she lives uh, in Israel to this day. She was a known woman. How many believe she continued that she went ahead and opened up another house of prostitution there in Israel? Nah. Uh, I mean, in the law, they're supposed to stone people that did stuff like that. Nope, nope. I believe Rahab was free. If there was anybody that owned her as a slave and was making her do that, they're dead. They're dead and their brother's dead and everybody that knows them's dead. She's free. I said she's free. Glory to God. And now she knows God. And she loves God. And she believes God. Didn't the Bible say, them that honor me, I will honor. Did she honor the Lord? She did everything she could do. She put her life in her own hand. She jeopardized herself. She took those guys in. She hid them. She was bold to talk about how good God was and to ask for grace and mercy. And the next time we see Rahab, she's married to a good man. She's got a family. Who has a family? Who has a family? Who has a boy named David? Glory to God. David could tell you stories about great-grandma Rahab. To my King David, the anointed psalmist, the one after the Lord's own heart. Is it possible that somebody from such low life could wind up in such a high place? Permanent part of the lineage how many understand this is not just for this lifetime here millennia later you and I are talking about Rahab and when you get to heaven you're going to meet Rahab David's grandma oh come on are you listening on the human side Jesus grandma And she has this honor of being in the scarlet line, the lineage of Christ. This is for eternity. Oh, the devil's such a liar. He's such a liar. 
He's convinced men and women and young boys and young girls all over this world they've sinned and so many times it's been situations that they were almost forced into some of them were forced into it they didn't have the opportunity to be fed and grow like they should and now the devil the same devil that did this to them feeds them condemnation night and day you could never be anything you're not good as them you can't even associate with them this is what you are this is all you are and he keeps them in this condemnation that keeps them subdued and keeps them down and they won't dare to believe anything if they only knew I said if they only knew and it's our job to tell them isn't it to tell them you know it's not good that you've done all that but it doesn't matter if you'll get it under the blood. If you'll believe in Him. Not only can you be saved, but you can become somebody important in the things of God. You can become somebody privileged. You can become somebody used beyond your wildest imaginations and dreams. He said their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. He'll separate them from you as far as the east is from the west. And he won't mention them to you anymore. And you can go on with him. And every time he looks at you. How many know when he looks at Rahab now? She's there with him. How many stand when he looks at her? He never sees her prostitute days back in Jericho. Never. And he never will. He's chosen to put it out of his mind. And never remember it again. When he looks at her, he sees Jesus' grandma. He sees David's grandma. He sees his own righteousness that has made her clean and made her able. And what he sees is the faith of a woman who was the only one in the whole city that would believe in him. And so he takes her without hesitation. And he moves on Paul and he has him put her right here in the middle of Hebrews 11 with Moses and Abraham. Hey! And we're talking about her tonight. Stand up on your feet, everybody. Somebody say it out loud. If Rahab could believe God, in her, situation, in her situation, in that place, in that place with, no Bible, with no Bible, no church, no, church, no, preacher, no preacher, nobody to help her, to help her. she could believe God, believe God I, can believe God. I can believe God. Oh, lift up your hands. Begin to thank Him. Begin to praise Him. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, just begin to praise Him. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, we believe in you. We believe in you. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.